Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another special hot stove edition episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, and I am here with my co-host, Matthew Henry, as mentioned by our old friend, Bob. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are have been we have been too lazy to get Bob to record a special hot stove edition of the intro. So you just get the same old Bob. But that's okay. We like Bob. Right, Matthew? We love Bob. And, you know, we're on vacation. And, you know, yeah, Bob deserves a little break, too. So he's not. He's just going to give us the same old, same old. I think Bob would have taken the money to record another thing. I, I, yeah. <laughs> you think Bob's so? been on. Yeah, Bob's been on break for a while. If you That's think true. Bob, Bob's a hustler, man. He's got his side hustles for sure. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? It's been a while. It has been a while. I, you've been like, you've been to Hawaii. You've done mm-hmm. like, you've done like fun stuff. I've yep. done nothing. Like, um, mm-hmm. I put up my Christmas mm-hmm. lights today, so there's that. But uh, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, I I did a turkey trot. You did not. Mm-hmm. It was a virtual one, so I was all by myself. <laughs> and it and it was more like a turkey hobble. Yeah, I guess. Oh, that's just what I called it. I called it the gobble hobble. <laughs> that's right. It was my gobble hobble. I did it for work. So you know, I'd win just, one of those virtual things. Yeah. So like a 5K? Yeah, 5K. I'm impressed. Turns like out. That's, that's like that's like 4.9K more than you've run in a long time. Oh, yeah. I didn't really run, though. I walked. Okay. Okay. That I walked most sense. of it. Yeah. That, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I actually walked five kilometers like four times a week, it turns out. I didn't really realize it was that far until I did this thing and I had this official app that was measuring how far I was walking. So, you know. There's hope for me yet. There There's is. Hope for me yet. There is. But anyway, enough of that. Enough Today of that. is a December 5th, Sunday, December 5th, as we record this podcast. The Giants didn't do anything. Nope. Seemingly Not a all, thing. all offseason so far, right? Well, they've done a few things. <laughs> they've done a few if you things. Ask, if you ask the casual Giants fan, they've done nothing. That is true. That is true. But we definitely have a lot to talk about, and in, in, including what the Giants have and have not done, and um, and and we've had some. We had one very very important change to the roster that we have to go over, <laughs> and uh, and all of Major League Baseball isn't doing much of anything right now. So we've got that to talk about. But before we do that, Bob has a question for you, Matthew. That's right. Bob does have a question. What are you well, drinking? What am I drinking? Am I going? Am I going first this time? All right. Well, I mean, I, I just sure. Yes, you go first. 
I, I don't have to go first. You can, see, we're so out of this. We usually have a, we, we already know who's going first. This is like a spring training game. This is like, this is like, you know, getting back out on the field for the first time when you haven't played in a while and, you know, you, you, you kind of have to get used to the, the rhythm again. That's but, true. That's true. Well, I, so, I can go first. Yeah, you go first. Bob, hit me with the question. What are you well, drinking? Thank you for asking, Bob. You know, I, Bob, I think we should make this a regular thing in our show where you ask us what we're drinking. <laughs> what a great idea. And uh, and then we talk about it. Uh, I am actually drinking a an old-fashioned, but it's a little bit different. I, I wanted to put a winter twist on it. I'm, I'm actually been experimenting because I'm supposed to come up with a special cocktail for for my work, for a work party that we're, we're doing. Oh. And, uh, and so they've, they've to... heard that you're an amateur mixologist and have now... And now yeah. I'll ask you to... Well, actually, I've already done this in years past, so oh. it's kind of an expected thing now. And so, so, it, so I'm, I'm kind of experimenting on that one. And, and today, what I did is I created an old fashioned, um, which is, uh, let's see, one part bourbon, one part applejack, mm. one part. Uh, yeah, sorry, one part bourbon, one part Applejack, uh, then two bar spoons full of a cinnamon syrup. Uh-huh. So this is a simple syrup that's been steeped with uh, with cinnamon sticks to give it a nice cinnamon-y, cinnamon-y flavor. Say that seven times fast. Say that one time fast. I'm not saying I it. can't. <laughs> and I am using Peychaud bitters in this one to give it a little bit of a brighter flavor. I think we all know that I prefer Angostura bitters, but I went with Peychauds in this case to kind of give it a, a bright and festive kind of kick to it. And uh, and then, yeah, I just took a, an, a, a, an orange twist, um, flamed that over the, uh, over, the, uh, over the glass with a big rock inside of it and uh and i i I put uh, three luxardo cherries on the side and i actually haven't tasted it yet so let's go cheers bottoms up you can say it bob you can definitely say it Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It is a tasty cocktail. This might be the winner. This might be the one that I put. I'm, I'm, I'm having my colleagues make. Um, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is really good. It's, it's. I mean, it's basically just a simple old fashioned, but with a couple of just variations yeah. on it, right, to make it right. a more holiday flair. I like and, it. And yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Well, the the old fashioned is, uh, you know, it's it's what one po- it's spirits, simple syrup, and bitters, right? I mean, those are the three main components That's, of an old fashioned. Those are the main components, correct? And, and you you could, I mean, how many different variables are there out of those three components? I mean, well, you have how many different types of bitters? How many different kinds of spirits? I mean, you have cinnamon syrup, so how many different so many. types of syrups? I mean, you could just play around with this forever. So many, yeah. Ten years, well, I'd say twenty years ago. The only thing you could really change here was the spirit, but you know, uh, and there was only one kind of bitters, right? It was, it was right. Angostura bitters, and and you got Peychauds if you wanted to make a Sazerac or something. But uh, but now these days, yeah, the sky's the limit, and this is a you know, yeah, you could make a different, uh, you could make a different old fashioned every day. And I think that would classify you as a heavy drinker, so maybe you shouldn't do that, <laughs> but. The point is, you could. 
You could. And, and I'm very pleased with this one. This one is, it's a little sweet on the palate, but all you have to do is pull back a little bit on, on one of those spoonfuls of, of simple syrup. I like a sweet cocktail, as we all know, so this is perfect. Well, I was thinking, so the bar spoons are pretty small, so you don't have a lot mm-hmm. of simple syrup. So it's really the Applejack that's probably providing a lot of the sweetness there. Right, and I think that's why you could pull back a little bit on the sweetener. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, t- typically in an old-fashioned, you don't have a lot of simple syrup anyway. It's it's just enough to um, uh, to overcome the, uh, the you know, the, it's it's to soften up the, the, the whiskey a little right. bit. Well, the olden right? days, it was... Uh... It, it was a sugar cube, right? That's and, right. It was uh, a sugar cube you would saturate with, set, your with the bitters and then yeah. muddle, muddle it. Yeah. And then also the original old fashioned called for a little bit of water, but now the ice kind of takes uh, you know the place of that, right? Correct. So you let, it, you let it mellow in the ice a little bit. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, I, if you take a nice dry sugar cube and you put it into the bottom of a glass and then you saturate that with a simple syrup, oh, sorry, with a bitters and you take a muddler to it. Oh, it's so satisfying. Just it is. Just that crunch, yeah. and it just, like, kind of just, yeah. So I would, you know. I tried that, though, and about half the sugar cube stayed on the bottom of the glass, you know. So I I do think that I enjoy mine with the simple syrup, you know, over the, the muddled sugar cube just because the sweetener, you know, kind of gets throughout the cocktail rather than sitting on the bottom of the glass. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, I just, like, that makes it just much more that enjoyable at the end when you just kind of slurp <laughs> in the, the sweet stuff out of the bottom. <laughs> But anyway, Matthew, people don't come to our show to listen to me talk about cocktails. Right. Maybe well, they maybe, do. Maybe, maybe they, they do, do, actually. Yeah. yeah. You don't know. Hey, you and I, we should, we should do a cocktail Not one show. listener has ever reached out to tell us why they listen to our show. So we don't know why people that's listen right. to our show. But uh, That's true. It could they, be they that probably, there might be a Ben Henry why. fan club. You know, you, know, you, know, you don't even know. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, there's definitely a Ben Henry fan club. Yeah. Well, an IG fan page. Do you have one of those? <laughs> no. No. No, I don't. No, so, you're so right. No, right. I don't, so you're not quite I, there I don't, yet. I, I don't have one of those. But anyway, Matthew, Bob, what's the other guy drinking? What are you drinking, Matthew? Uh, well, thanks, Bob. I you know, So today is decorate, well, deck the halls day. At the old Henry household, we are uh, in full Christmas mode today. I put up the lights on our front porch. We bought our Christmas tree last night, and today, right after dinner, actually right before you and I sat down to record, uh, we decorated our tree. And and a tradition at our household when we decorate our tree is to have cookies and eggnog while we're decorating the tree and, and the kids love it it's a kind of the big fun treat and you know they eat more cookies than they decorate but uh you know in the end it, it's good and so i decided this year you know with the whole cocktail thing and all that i was actually going to make my own eggnog and uh and there are you, know, you look on the, the web and there's a gazillion different types of recipes so it's a little like like overwhelming when you first see like how to make eggnog and there's ones that you cook and there's ones that you don't cook and all that. Well, I ended up just finding a really simple one and I was like, yeah, it's easy. I'm going to go for it. And it was like four eggs, 
uh, and then you, you, you all in a blender. So you throw four eggs in a blender and you blend it up a little bit. Then you add uh, like three quarter cups of sugar. Like, yeah. And then uh, and then you add, uh, and I actually had some vanilla sugar that I'd used to, for something else that I had. So I just threw all that in there. And then, uh, and then you add like a teaspoon of nutmeg and like half a teaspoon of cinnamon. And then, and then like a cup and a half of milk and a cup of cream. And then you just blend the crap out of that, right? For like a minute. And it comes out all frothy and you pour it and, oh, well, I forgot the most important part. Uh, I added three ounces of amaretto and three ounces of vodka uh, to this. <laughs> so the, Oh, the, it's one of those so, eggnogs. Yes. And I'm sure you could, you don't have to do the, if you just did what I had just described, it would be a very good eggnog. But the amaretto takes it to a whole nother level uh the mm-hmm. the sweetness mm-hmm. of the amaretto and the almond kind of flavor with mixing with the nutmeg and the cinnamon oh i was in heaven tonight so i'm on like my second glass at this point oh and, i see uh, i had one during the christmas tree lighting and uh now i'm having another one with you and uh i'm really enjoying it so don't listeners do not be afraid to make your own eggnog uh also the, the raw egg thing, don't be afraid of that because the vodka, you know, and the amaretto, well, they'll kill any bacteria that's in there. So, you know, I'm obviously go with, you know, fresh eggs. You know, that's also important. But uh, I loved it. And I'm I'm looking forward to making this a tradition. I'm going to do this over and over again. Maybe even when it's not Christmas. Screw that. I'm having Just it in July. Just remember, folks, we're, we're amateur cocktail makers. And <laughs> you should uh, take everything we say with a grain of salt. Or a, or, shot, of, or a shot of vodka. I don't know. It's correct, or or pasteurized eggs. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I have yeah. no idea how that would translate into the recipe, but no, no, no. I'm just saying that just so some weirdo somewhere like ten years from now doesn't, you know, sue us because they found our old decrepit um, <laughs> podcast online and you know used seventeen day old eggs that they. I don't know. Anyway, all right. Well, that actually sounds that sounds really good. Uh, sound good. And. I'm not really a big eggnog guy, but honestly, I don't think I've ever had eggnog that was spiked quite, you know, and I think if it came with a little bit of a kick to it, I'd probably like it a lot more. Uh, <laughs> I am a big fan of the cookies, eating cookies while watching other people decorate, though, though. so I, I definitely commend uh, my uh, my nieces and nephews on that one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, we've... Uh... We've talked quite a long time now, actually, on this. So uh, let's talk a little baseball or, or lack thereof, maybe. The, I don't... Yeah, it's lack thereof. I think in a lot of ways, unfortunately, we're going to be talking about what n- the, the opposite of baseball, not having baseball. And I, I think the first thing that we need to cover, because, you know, we said in our last episode, we said when some big news was going to happen that we would probably jump in. And, and, and we totally an did because nothing happened, right? Nothing, nothing. happened. Well, no, nothing significant. No, literally like five, that exact same week, a lot of things happened. <laughs> and um, you were in Hawaii. I, we were already like, hey, we're just taking a break. So. Yeah, us. I mean, I, let's yeah, we, we needed a break. We wanted a break. And. But there is one big thing that did happen that I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up here on the show. And that is um, the retirement of Buster Posey. What? (laughs) Oh. Buster Posey retired? (laughs) (laughs) 
Man, yeah, I thought you were yeah. going to talk about uh, about Donovan Solano not being on the team anymore. My God, Buster Posey. See, now I know you're faking it because I know that when he really did retire, you cried. You cried like a big baby. I, 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 know I it. there, there may have been some tears shed. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't. It, you weren't incredulous. You were devastated. I was devastated. I, I really thought he was going to come back for another year, and I and maybe didn't think it, but really hoped it. And right. uh, and so it was. It was a real you know, shocker. Um, not only because. It leaves the Giants a big hole in their catching and uh, you know and, and middle of the order uh, for next year, but it uh, just saying goodbye to an icon that's been really the epitome of the Giants' success over the last decade and three World Championships and you know Rookie of the Year and MVPs and uh, Silver Sluggers and all the stuff that he's done is just. Um, yeah, how do you how do you replace that, and how do you say goodbye to that? Like it's just you know, especially when you weren't expecting it, and and you know, we didn't get to give him the rocking chair, or you know, we didn't get to watch the the Padres give him like a Harley Davidson or something. You know, it was just like see ya, and that's probably how the way, the way Buster wanted it. But I was just gonna say that that's that's what Buster wanted. Yeah, you know what he probably did is he probably listened to our show. He heard you describe that whole that whole extravaganza, and he probably broke out in hives <laughs> and was like, "Nope, that's it. I'm pulling the plug. It's over." It's all my so fault. So there you go, folks. Sorry, it's, Giants fans. It's, it's, it's Matthew's fault for bringing up the uh, you know the the swan song season, um, the the Yadier Molina um, fiesta. Um, <laughs> Right. Well, for that, on that note, could there be two? Could there be two different ways of like saying goodbye? One is Buster holds like a press conference and then he's out of there, and we won't hear from him for, you know, probably a while. Whereas Yadia says, "I'm going for one more year, everyone," and you know, it just makes this big you know, deal out of his one year extension, and I just, yeah. I mean, when you know you're the second best catcher of your generation, I guess you got to do things like that. Right? You got it. You got to stand up and bang the drum and make people, you know, believe that you're you're a little bit better than than you actually were. Um, wow, that, that that was I didn't expect it to be that bitter when it came out of my mouth. Um, I guess I got some. I guess I got some issues there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I. But at the same time, am I wrong? You know, no. I mean, no. you know, no, no, I'm not. I mean, Yadier is probably the second best catcher of his generation, and and I only say probably because there's probably other guys that are that might push him out of that spot into a lower spot. Uh, he does not. He's not the same. He's not a Buster Posey, and I think. I mean, it's interesting that you say it was a surprise. I, I don't know that I was that surprised at all. You know, I I, I think. I think when you really look back at at what he's accomplished for himself, I think it, in many ways this was the perfect time to walk away. Yeah. And I think, and there's even part of me that wonders if there was a little bit of selflessness in it in that, you know, he looks at the catcher situation for the Giants going forward and he's like, why would I force this organization and even this one other individual um, to go through what they're going to have to go through just so I can play one more year when in the back of his head, he knows, right. He knows he's, he's almost done. Yeah. And, um, and so I, you know, I wonder a little bit if that, you know, 
if where the Giants are with their catching situation, with having you know Joey Bart ready to go and Kurt Casale, you know, there on the roster ready to, you know, um, uh, mentor Bart on his you know like what I guess will be his first real season at the major league level, and and I think he probably saw that and this is you know like I'm leaving this in a good place right. This is as best of a situation as I can leave the team in, and and I also don't think we can we can discount the um, the amount of effort and discomfort that he was under that he was right. putting into the game. You know, we never heard was, him talk about that until his retirement, and he mentioned that about how much it took him to get ready to play a game, and that was a little surprising to me. I, I think you know you, you just I mean I think you know intuitively you know that catchers are pretty banged up and they're probably never feeling great. But to hear someone talk about how, what of an emotional drain that is, uh, was a little surprising. Like it was a kind of an eye opener for me. I, I, you know, one of the greatest to, to mention it was. He did. He did mention it. I think during the spring in a very different way. Like he said that, you know, he was how the hip takes a lot more work to get ready. And he was really complimenting the training staff. Mm-hmm. on on the on the regimen that they had put together you know not just getting him back but but keeping him in shape and helping him get ready on a day in and day out basis but it was really kind of a lot and and I think in retrospect you look at that and you realize that he was probably commenting on how much effort it was taking just on a day-to-day basis but you know in a lot of ways it really reminded me of um Sandy Koufax Right. Who who I think is a player who in many, many ways walked away from the game uh, when he was at his prime and and was the dominant player at his position, probably the dominant player in the game and walked away because it just hurt too much. Right. It it just it just Mm -hmm. wasn't worth what he was going through. And I think that is something that we don't we don't see as fans and that we don't really appreciate enough. Um, and you know, and I, I think, I think at the end of the day, when you put all of those things together, plus the fact that, you know, he's got this young family and he clearly wants to devote time and energy to that. I I think it, it just, it, it all makes sense. Right. I mean, now was absolutely the right time for Buster Posey to say, I'm done. Whether the rest, whether it was the right time for the rest of us, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, but does that mean I'm happy about it? No. <laughs> does that mean that I don't want him to change his mind and come back? No. But, you know, I, I think it's been long enough now that I'm I've, I've sort of come to terms with it. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've reached the stage of acceptance in my grieving process. Yeah, I think I'm there, too. You know, I, I wish him the best and... Look forward to him having his impromptu appearances at Oracle and the fans going crazy. And, you know, I, I think it'll it'll be great when they retire his number. You know, all that kind of stuff will certainly come. And maybe there'll be a statue out front. Who knows? Uh, they'll, you know, I think that there's... Maybe. Yeah, well, there will be. Right? Maybe. Yeah. There will be. Not not yeah. soon. Not yeah. soon, but, but there will be. You know, you mentioned yeah. Koufax uh, going out on top. So I just had to look it up. Holy crap. He... He he won 27 games in his last season, led the league at wins, ERA at 1.73. He 
He led the league in innings pitched, 323, strikeouts at 317. He had an ERA plus of 190, which led the league, and a field independent pitching of 2.07, which led the league. And he was a uh, all he was a Cy Young and finished second in the MVP voting that year. And he's like, see ya. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, you know, it was a little before five years before I was born. So you know, forgive me for not knowing that off the top of my head. Right, and I was born five years after that. I so. know, but you're just a nerd who knows those things. So <laughs> baseball, yeah. Savant. I mean, you know. Where does that put him in all-time great pitchers? I don't know. Somewhere in the top 500. I mean, he's a Dodger, so. <laughs> yeah, he did, um, he did all right. <laughs> there's only one Dodger I like. Who, wh- and that's wh- not Sandy Koufax. Who's that? Jackie Robinson. Oh, that's it. of course. Is it? Yeah. He's yeah. the only good Dodger. Um, Jackie Robinson has a special place in my heart, too. <laughs> well, yes. My very... Uh, my very first uh, YMCA job at the Jackie Fro- Jackie Robinson Family YMCA in San Diego. Pretty fun to work for a Y that was named after an icon like that. So, Well, hey, so one thing that we didn't mention mm-hmm. is that while we haven't done a podcast on this show uh, since the season ended, we did do a guest appearance on uh, our friends Clark to Thompson with Brad and Garrett. That is correct. Uh, we, uh, in fact, so the first time we actually spoke about about Buster Posey was on their show, and you know, so you can actually go over and listen to that uh, that show. Um, if I if I could remember what they named the episode, I'd tell you. But uh, uh, but but and maybe Ben will look it up and tell us by the end here. But hey, Brad and Garrett actually ended up being fun. We had a great time. The only thing that I have to warn you about, listeners is that they record on YouTube, and I'm really sorry for that. Like, I mean, you don't have to listen to it on YouTube. In fact, I would recommend that you don't. You just download it off of, you know, whatever your podcast you know player is. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was – I actually – they forced me to come out of the closet. Like, I had to go into my – sit at my wife's little office space uh, just to make it look presentable because, um, yeah, I had to – we had to actually be on camera, which was new thing. Yes, I do apologize for the super bright light that is on my face, but I was trying to distract people from how bald I am. <laughs> Did it work? No, I think it really just highlighted it, actually. <laughs> the glare, the glare off the Yeah, off the but I, I was super bright, super glary. Um, but, but, yeah, yeah. So if you want to go see what Matthew and I look like, you can go watch the recording on YouTube. But as Matthew said, they also are on all the normal um, podcast locations. So you can just go bypass that whole uh, horror show. Um, not Brad and Garrett. Brad and Garrett look very presentable, although they were wearing baseball hats. They were. So, you so know, we don't know how their hair looks. Yeah, that, yeah that might be the secret. That might have been the secret, which, you know, I didn't know. But anyway, the, the, the name of the episode, at least on YouTube is Desclafani and Wood are back, comma, giant cocktails. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, they, they, they clearly don't have the same person naming their episodes that we have naming <laughs> ours. So, but um, they were great. They were a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, go over and check them out and uh, you know, listen to that, that episode in particular. You'll think you'll, you'll like it. We talk a lot about giants. So, And then speaking of giants... The hot stove hasn't been so hot, Ben. (laughs) 
I no, gotta tell you, leading no, up it to hasn't. leading up to December first or second or whatever it was, and I my my refresh thumb on Twitter got a little workout because I was certain that the Giants were going to sign somebody that we had heard of. And, you know, I, and so then it got a little exciting that they, you know, that we we uh, that we were signing, you know, some of our own. Right. I mean, you know, Brandon Belt with the qualifying offer was great. I was all on board when he accepted. That was awesome. I mean, we, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think you and I both went on record at the end there that we love Brandon Belt and uh, glad a that he's back. Move. And yeah, and, move. and, you know, we got probably the second best uh, first baseman in the National League to, to sign. So. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'm I'm giving props to maybe Freddie Freeman. I mean, I you know he well, would have been the, Freddie's, yeah, Freddie's he been the only yeah Freddie would the only one that would have been like, all right, that's that's better than Belt. But uh, right, right. But, but Belt was great, and then and then we kind of heard whispers that we were signing Desclafani and Wood, and then then the, when we then it just went silent for a while, and then we had Desclafani confirmation. Yeah, yeah, but then we yeah. didn't have wood confirmation. No, which which worried me. That was really weird how they were like, they've agreed, and then it took like what, like a week? Yeah. Well, my 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 theory. I had two two thoughts on that. One was that Alex Wood was like, "Hey, it's like Thanksgiving, man. I'm gonna go and spend time with my family." And they're like, "Yeah, but you gotta take a physical." And he's been like, "Well, then I'm gonna take the physical, you know, later." And they're like, "Okay." And so I feel like that was part of maybe that was part of it. And then the okay. other part of it was that they had a full 40-man roster, and the Giants were like, let's just take some time while we figure out this 40-man roster thing. Mm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and which we don't have in our notes, but one of those 40-man roster, roster moves was saying goodbye to Mr. Dickerson. And and I know you and I, you know, were yeah. big fans of, of Dick when uh, he first came on the scene. And, even you know, even through 2020, it was fun to see you know his his home runs and the chance in the dugout and just the the punch that he brought and he was the the first guy to kind of like get signed that ended up you know really making a difference for the Giants and really showed I think Giants fans that Farhan maybe knew what he was doing and you know it was but then unfortunately he didn't have a great year last year and and uh, they were owing him a lot of money if he had stayed so in the end it wasn't a surprise but I'm uh, sad to see him go. Agreed. That was a that was a bummer. But I, I do think, you know, yeah, the, the the contract situation caught up to him there. And at the end of the day, it was the right move, I think, for for those reasons, for for the you know, I think it was the best move for the Giants at a baseball level and at a finance level. You know, I at that being said, yeah, I mean, Dickerson was a shot in the arm and he was really one of those guys that was a a bright spot during a very dark time I, I think particularly in 2019 and you know it was um and then he was definitely a leader on that team during the 2020 season along with Mike Yastrzemski and it, he really did I think exemplify the kind of player that Farhan Zaidi was going to be finding at that end of the spectrum in terms of payroll and so, so yeah, he's an important player in a lot of ways. I just like the guy because he was exciting. You know, he had a really big way of, of turning the game around with one or two big at-bats, and and he was just a lot of fun. And, you know, he, he was a great guy to watch on the field because he wasn't the most athletic, but he got things done. <laughs> he and... ran like an old man, man. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I run like an old man, and and I really, I really enjoyed that. 
Of course, I am an old man. Um, <laughs> no arm bend at all. You know, he's got these stiff arms as he's running, yeah, you know, waddling around. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Anyway, I'm gonna miss Dickerson for sure. But but yeah, like you know, yes, uh, significant. A lot of uh, significant moves. But it really was just kind of trying to get us back to to zero, right? To where we were uh, at the end of the season with the roster. And and yes, it was absolutely tremendously big news to bring back Desclafani. It was big news to bring back Wood. Those were two very, very important signings. Brandon Belt coming back was, you know, a huge um, um, a signing. And especially after, you know, the news about Posey. But as you said, we have all of these big names floating around out there. And the conjecture and belief was that the Giants were really going to be heavily involved, that the Giants were going to be buyers for some of these bigger name free agents. And and. And it hasn't happened yet. In fact, the only big name free agent signing that involved the Giants was a loss when we didn't retain uh, Gossman. Yeah. Gossman decided to go to the one place that has higher taxes than California when he signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. (laughs) And, uh, you know... Uh, it turns out he wanted to be the David Lee Roth as we were trying to put the band back together. <laughs> oh, I think that's a first. Kevin Gosman getting compared to David Lee Roth. Well, it's better to be compared to him than to Sammy Hagar. But um, <laughs> no offense to Sammy Hagar, but, you know, he's no David Lee Roth. No, no. And, you know, the the, the point is... The point is, is that, yeah, this really has been a, somewhat of a letdown of an offseason so far for the Giants. You know, especially after we expected them to go out and make a big splash. They've done a lot of good things. They really have. And I don't want to, I don't want to diminish what they have done in keeping a particular Descafani and Wood. I think yeah. having both of those guys come back is key. And I think, uh, you know, also getting, you know, the qualifying offer to Belt and then having Belt accept that was also huge. But we all expected more, right? Yeah, you know, but, okay, I have a couple thoughts on this. First, Ben, the offseason is not over, okay? I know it feels that way because now everything's shut down and we're all just sitting around twiddling our thumbs, but there are still free agents on the market. Now, you know, granted all the big starting pitcher names, most of them are off the board. There are a lot of trade opportunities out there. I just, I feel like that there's some work to be done and I can't believe that the Giants would be content to not, not, not swing at one of these big trade acquisitions and or free agents that's still out there. I feel like there's, there's going to be some things that are be done in that respect. Uh, the, the other thing that I, that I've been thinking about is, the way that the Giants, the Giants don't, well, and I know that fans don't care about this, and and maybe they even really shouldn't, but I think it's it's an important part of building a team is the 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 finances, and you know just how your money gets spent over time, and you know we paid for that this last year, and we've got you know you or even the year before with Jeff Samarja and and Cueto with these heavy back end contracts with 
pitchers that aren't pitching to that level anymore, it really hamstrings what you can do as a team. And I don't think Farhan wants to get the Giants into that. If you want to build a perennial contender, you have to you, you have to have uh, outs on these contracts before they become bad. And and I think that's that's smart. You know, it's not fun to sit around watching Gosman, who's 30, what, 30, 31, sign a five-year contract. But let's look in, in 2027 and see, you know, what what uh, what Gosman's doing. Because I feel like there could be some regrets for the Blue Jays in year five, you know, paying him $22 million at that point. So, I you know, so that's, that's something to keep in mind. I also think that, they also have a mind of now that they've built up their minor league uh, system to some degree, they have to account for spots for those guys. And if you sign five top end starters, then where does Sean Jelly fit in? Where does Tyler Beatty fit in? Where does Kervin Castro fit in? So you've got these guys that are going are, are we drafted them to bring them up and to make a difference on the big club. And at some point you've got to just say, this is the year and Tyler Beatty's out of options. So he's got to be on there from day yeah. one. So, you know, there's a lot of things to think about. And I think as fans, we just like, we want the big signing, but there's a lot beyond that. And I think that we need to remember that. And I trust Farhan. Okay. I trust him. So, <laughs> you know, don't go having a cow giants fans. All right. With the season, the off season's not over. All right. I will give you for yeah, one hundred and ten million dollars for five years was too much. Yeah. It was too much. It was too much. I would have and, paid one hundred and ten for four years, maybe. Like I, I feel like you know that would have been an overspend, but I would have been okay with four years. Yeah, I think four years is the max I would have gone with on Gosman. I, I, I think the Giants really didn't want to go much higher than twenty-two million a year. So, but maybe they could have gone twenty-three for four. Maybe 25 for four is probably, but I, even then they were probably like, no, yeah. no, they probably, they probably was, were, they probably ideally wanted 23 for three. Yeah. Right. And if the Blue Jays are going to go and give him two extra years, you know, hey, more power to them because I don't think Kevin Gossman is going to be worth $22 million in, 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 in when he's 35 and 36 years old. And in the same way that Cueto wasn't worth, you know, what the Giants were paying him at the end of that contract. Right. And I think it for Giants fans who are upset that these sort of things, these contracts aren't getting done, but at the same time are complaining about contracts like the ones that were given to Samarja and Cueto, then you're you're pretty much being a hypocrite because that is exactly (laughs) what it would have taken. That's that's the kind of contract that we were talking about here. In many ways, for a pitcher that is less proven than Cueto was when the Giants signed him, right? I mean, Gossman is not the kind of the same pitcher with the same track record. Nor is he a big game postseason pitcher that Cueto was. You know, I mean, there's there's right. things that Cueto brought to the table for sure. Right, right. And so, without a doubt, you know, the Giants wanted to bring him back. I wanted them to bring him back, but I think yes, 110 million dollars for five years was just more than the Giants were willing to give up. I think more importantly than the money is what you were just talking about, which is they went out and they drafted guys 
to to fill those roster spots and if you have dead money dead weight you know money like around that around your neck in you know four to five years from now the giants are not going to be as competitive as they would be if they didn't have that contract and so this is really them thinking about how they want to be competitive not just next year but five years from now and contracts like that are not going to help them be do that so yeah i agree i agree it was a big bummer but you know what the blue jays were willing to spend the overspend yeah they were and 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 I think the San Francisco Giants let them, you know, the mm-hmm. they they didn't get caught up into that situation. And I think at the, at the very least now the Giants have a lot of money that they can go spend elsewhere. I think you're right. It's not going to be in the starting rotation. I, I think in many ways they probably have the rotation that they want, I think, at this point. Right. Because they did sign, you know, Alex Cobb. <laughs> yeah who right i it, it took me to, i had to like i had to look him up to be honest i you well know, he, he played for the angels yeah so we kind of forget about everybody that plays year, there so I, I yeah i i didn't really know who he was but like, and i tweeted this out afterwards after looking at him yeah really you could you look at him compared to cueto and you know johnny cueto pitched 114 innings had a 4.08 era and a 0.9 war uh in 2021 and Alex Cobb pitched 93 innings, had a 3.76 ERA and a 1.7 WAR, so almost twice as uh, high of a WAR uh, in fewer innings than Johnny Cueto. And so, in my mind, it's like we've significantly upgraded our fifth starter. And now this is a big if if he stays healthy because he does have some uh, injury uh, histories there. But uh, but. You know, I, I thought it was a good signing after digging into it. I think that those are the types of pitchers. I mean, it's perfect Zarhan or Farhan. Uh, uh, signing right i mean the guy that's kind of maybe i have a needs a prove it to me contract and needs to you know reestablish his his worth and go into the giants because they're you know they have a track record of helping pitchers do that i feel like this is just right down that alley this could be another desclafani another wood you know type signing and if that's the case then yeah our rotation is going to be fine because everybody will kind of move up a peg uh interestingly enough too when they announced desclafani's uh re-signing uh, Zaidi went out of his way to say they felt like they, that there was a there was a higher ceiling for Desclafani than what he's shown, and uh-huh. and and I, I that intrigued me because I feel like wow I mean that if they feel like they can get more out of him and their analytics and whatever they're looking at suggests that it's going to be interesting to see you know because I feel like he wouldn't say that if he didn't feel like there was some things that they were going to do to to help him improve so uh, you know who knows so maybe maybe Desclafani becomes Gosman. You know, and slots into there, and then yeah, then the rotation's good. I mean, we still need, we still need more pitchers, though. I mean, uh, I mean, I think you know, you can never, as we learned this year, you can never have enough. Otherwise, you have, you have uh, um, guys like, uh, what's his name, uh, um, old dude, Olympic, that. Um, Casimir, Scott Casimir, thank you. I blocked him out of my mind. I like how you said old dude Olympic. And and uh, I knew you would know if I said those. It was like, you know, you that that you knew exactly who I was talking about. So uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't want Scott Casimir starting games for us. We want, you know, maybe we want Tyler Beattie and uh, and Sean Jelly starting games for us instead. So I think that there's some some upside here. Um, Higher ceiling, let's say. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I. I think there are, uh, I, I agree. I mean, so first of all, the one thing I will say about Alex Cobb, he is a little bit older. 
you know, and he is costing a little bit more than Desclafani did last year. He does have some injury issues, but they haven't been as significant as Desclafani's. But he was pitching really well last year, right? And yeah. so so I do think again, the biggest question about him is how many, you know, how many games is he going to to start for you? And you know, I thought I think it was an interesting point that you made about him being our number 5 starter. And and what I was reading uh, some articles about how the Giants think about this sort of stuff, and they, they don't really think about it that way. Right. They don't really think about one through five. They think about how do we start 162 games. Right. And and so I, I think when they look at somebody like Cobb, they look at somebody who's going to start something like what? I think 20 games, they, right? 20 or... games is probably what they're targeting for him. And 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 so they're probably going to have to go out and find some more guys to to find, uh, you know, to, to to start more games. And that means, yes, we're going to see more bullpen games as well next year. But we're also going to see some some innings and starts from guys that were unexpected, um, similar to the Scott Casimir situation. Right. But but maybe maybe not. Right. Maybe we see some some younger guys or some guys who have been hurt their whole careers, but never really made the mark that they thought they were going to make. And and the Giants give them them their one last chance. And, and we you know, we know that the Giants have have a track record of of finding those guys. And so I think that's probably what we're going to see. I agree that we're probably not going to see another big name signing by the Giants in the starting rotation. But really, there's not much left. Right. I think there's Carlos Rodon. And then yeah, it's a big drop off after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think of what then it's Kershaw and Granky. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at some of the people who are available and, you know, they're all over the place. They're the younger guys are not that exciting. And the exciting names were exciting five or six years ago, uh, you know, and so, you know, there's names like Chris Archer uh, oh my gosh, Matt Moore. Um, <laughs> wow, blast from the past. There's a blast from the past. Yeah, right. Um, and so you know, it's. I, I think I think we've seen what we were going to see from the Giants in the starting rotation. I think they've got a good base there, and I don't know that they're. I think in a lot of ways, in terms of like question mark, we're in a lot better position with this rotation than we were at the beginning of last season. Right. Right. Because Desclafani and Wood are no longer question marks. And now Logan Webb is our ace. Right. Yeah. When he wasn't even on our radar last year. You know, at least not at the beginning of, of spring training. Right. He was just another name on that roster. Right. Of guys that you hope will make an impact. And and now he is our number one. And so in a lot of ways, the Giants are better off in the starting rotation than they were last year. The question is, is there as much of an upside? And I don't know that the answer to that's probably no, because that, wow, what an upside we had last year. But, but, you know, the, the point is, is that I think this rotation is in a lot better of a situation than it was during the same time last season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the Giants did sign three minor league free agents because the minor league, you could still sign minor leaguers uh, during the lockout. And they Correct. were all, they were all right-handed pitchers. 
so the guy named Greyfenter, Mauricio Yovera, and John Duplantier, Duplantier, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but all guys that, um, you know, will probably, they can't invite anyone to spring training right now because of the lockout, but I'm sure, you know, at least a couple of those guys like Duplantier, I think played for Arizona, um, you know, so they'll probably get a major league invite, you know, to spring training. Uh, so those are guys that, you know, they've done this traditionally every year, right? Where they invite a few people for, to come to spring right. training and then they, you know, and then usually at least one or two ends up making the club. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that all works out, but you know, they're, they're loading up arms, you know, no surprise. Yes, they are loading up arms. No surprise. And the, the one thing that I would also say is, is that, you know, on the, on the, um, on the batter's side, there are still a lot of good players out there right a, a lot of guys are still available nick you know, castellanos I, I, like <laughs> exactly nick castellanos at the top of our list please at least, please farhan please but you know i mean chris bryant is still out there i think you know um did freddie freeman and freddie freeman's still available he is still available the braves did not sign him before the lockout wow wow and, so the and dodgers here- have actually been giving a run at him Right. Uh, because of that, so that well, was I mean, that makes sense. I mean, no, but that makes sense given well, right Muncie's because injury right. and all that, yeah. Well, and just I mean, the, okay, so so let's let's and the Dodgers let's put are going to Dodger, right? I mean, they're just right. Yeah. Well, let's put the, let's put. Hang on, slow down, slow no, down. I don't want to slow down. No, let's put this to bed. Let's put the Giants offseason stuff to bed. The, the the point is, is that the Giants have a lot of work left to do, but the good news is there's still a lot of really good talent out there that is available on the market. The point is, is that up to this point, it's been really, really expensive, and it seems like the whole league has been eager to sign a few key guys and then let the lockout resolve itself, and then things will pick up from there. I think we really can't evaluate the Giants until the full offseason is completed. Of course, yeah. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wait for the lockout to end. But the point is, it's not like there's slim pickings left, right? I think the main thing the Giants wanted to do was retain Gosman, and they didn't do that. So that's the one miss that they've had so far. I think everything else is going according to plan, and we just have to wait for the lockout to end. And at the same time, the good news is the Giants didn't do anything dumb, right? (laughs) They didn't go out and spend a ton of money on a second-rate player who didn't deserve it, right? Yep. And that's important because at the end of the day, who are the Giants competing against for a playoff spot? They're competing against the Dodgers and the Padres, right? And I really think that so far in this offseason of those three teams, the Giants have done the best work. Yeah. Right? Well, they, the they've Do- lost the least, I think, at this point, right? Correct. Correct. Right. The Dodgers have lost Seeger. They have lost Scherzer. And they're not bringing back Knable, but I don't think that's a huge, a huge loss. But for right. a team that was very thin on starting pitching, you know, any starting pitcher that they lose is a big deal. The only signing that they've done of people that they've retained was Chris Taylor, which quite frankly, thank goodness, you know, a demon should be on the devil's team. And <laughs> whatever, and I would have so, cheered for him if he was a giant. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been a good a fit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. 
I guess. And it would have taken a player away from the Dodgers. So yeah, that's that fair. That's fair. I just think we would have always seen his blue underwear. Yeah, those white pants. I figure if Oral Hershiser can play for the Giants, then pretty much any Dodger can play. That for the never Giants. happened. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, and they and they signed a they signed a, a starting pitcher from the Yankees who was you know I mean just nothing to write home about and they they stole a relief pitcher from the Padres. And speaking of the Padres, hey, they got a manager. They got a real manager. That that and that does suck. They got a real manager, a yeah. real good one, and, and somebody um, that that will I think that Tatis and uh, and Machado and all them have to look up to, right? I mean, they have to respect this guy. I mean. How could you not respect Bob Melvin? You can't not respect Bob Melvin. I mean, he's a great manager. Also a former Giant. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He was the catcher. He was he was the catcher alongside um you know, Brenly. Yeah. They yeah, were the that... two catchers on the roster at the same time. And that I do remember. Wow, I'm old. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Um, but Which anyway, makes me older. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got thirteen hundred wins as a manager. Um, Whereas Tingler know, had zero, right? So, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, and 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 it showed. Uh, you know, he has uh, managed the Giants. Uh, sorry, the Giants. He's managed the A's for for ten years now, and done a lot with not a lot. Right? Yeah. And he's done a lot with young players who are gifted and talented players and and help them grow and compete and win. So absolutely, he's the kind of guy that young, talented players should like. And I think, you know, older players will respect him, too. So, no, this is not good news if you don't want the Padres to do well. And the um, fact that I, the A's just let him go. Like, they didn't get any compensation out of this. Like, that's just such an A's move. Like, oh, we don't have to pay him. Now they're going to get, I don't have they replaced them, him yet? Because they're probably, wait, maybe Tingler's available and they're going to, like, sign him. Like, I just, <laughs> like, typical A's, man. Jeez. I don't, I don't know why Billy Bean supports that team. Because if it's not for him, that team is nothing. Oh, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should ask some of our Bay Area friends why. But uh, anyway, this is not an A's podcast, so moving on. Uh, but the point is, the Dodgers and Padres haven't done much of anything at all. And and the Dodgers are a worse team on paper, clearly. And I don't think there's any way they're going to be as good of a team on paper um, at the beginning of 2022 as they were at the beginning of 2021. So, yeah. so that's good news. So far, the Giants are, are, are winning the offseason in the NL West. Yes, I know there's two other teams, but those teams barely matter. So, <laughs> um, But one of the reasons, Matthew, that the offseason signings have probably been a little bit slower or at least slowed down recently before they stopped completely is because we are officially in... A labor stoppage. Yes. For, I think, the first time since... 94. 
there's been there are baseball fans out there that have never seen a work stoppage like they were correct correct and yeah and if you've never seen a work stoppage particularly in major league baseball the one thing that i want to tell you is there are no good guys here yeah, okay. I've been seeing on Twitter people are all like taking the the fan or the fans are taking the player side and really nope. you know and and I, I I find it hard to 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 root for billionaires arguing with millionaires like it's just it's um it's it's a little bit hard for me to kind of pick yeah a side. no well let's let's just talk about this real quick look there was a period of time where Major League Baseball owners absolutely exploited their power over the players that definitely happened and it was definitely awful and uh the players absolutely needed a union and they needed the power that organizing themselves gave them and and baseball is better off for that for sure yeah that hasn't been true since you and i were toddlers well, okay, since you were like you were, you know, a second grader. The the point is that hasn't been true I think since the 80s, right? Yeah. Yes, the players made a lot of gains, but the 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 point of the fact is the point is that this situation right now, there are no good guys. This is rich people fighting against rich people and the only people who are not gaining from this are the fans. Okay? And another thing to keep in mind is that these guys aren't bargaining for minor league baseball players who do have it not so great, right? Right. Those guys, many of them, have to choose whether or not to eat or pay rent, right? Not anymore, Those though. Are m- Major League Baseball now is going to pay for housing for all their minor right. leaguers. Right. After but that's quite a, a bit they- of pressure uh, from the media. Yeah, yeah, a change they made a year ago. <laughs> Yes. Literally. A Literally. year ago they made that change. So so the point is it's not like it's not like minor league baseball players are are caught up in this situation, right? And of all of the major sports in North America, major league baseball players have it the absolute best. There are no salary caps. There is almost there's very, very little salary control. And uh they have guaranteed contracts which many of the other leagues do not have. And on top of that, even during this negotiation, the owners aren't asking for any of those things like they did in years past. And and so I, I know that it, it's, you know, the players are out there turning their silhouettes, their Twitter silhouette, their Twitter avatars into silhouettes saying, oh, we've been locked out. I want to tell you, okay, look, lockouts suck. Right, they absolutely do. They're not a good thing. Like I said, there's no good guys in this equation. But the alternative to a lockout is a strike. And why do players not like a lockout? Because it means they can't go on strike. Because players don't lock themselves out. Players don't go on strike in December or January. You know why they don't do that? Because nobody nobody cares. cares. (laughs) Players go on strike in June. And then they take an entire baseball season away from the fans so they can get richer. 
that's the alternative here. That's what we're talking about. So that's why the, and the owners know that. The owners know that's like, look, if we do a lockout now and we get through this stuff now, we take away the player's leverage, which yeah, that's a power move and it's kind of a dick move. But at the same time, as a fan, if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather have a lockout in December than a strike in June. Oh, for sure. And and so that's really when it comes down to it and these two sides can't agree, those are really the only options and they both suck. But let's not kid ourselves. The strike in 1994 almost ruined baseball. Right. It took years for the fans to come back. And some argue that the only reason the fans did come back is because of the steroid era. Right. Yeah. Sammy and uh, and Mark McGuire hitting home runs and juicing up. And yeah, that was it. So expect era, juice balls yeah. next year. Expect <laughs> right. like, you know, all sorts of well, offense. If, and... if the season is compromised, I think you can expect weird shenanigans like that. But the point is, is that that's what happened in 1994. The fans were so bitter and angry, they did not come back in 95. They did not buy tickets. They did not watch on television. And baseball had to do something to change the game. And what they ended up doing is allowing a phase of the game to happen that is so reviled now, people choose to ignore that it happened. And so, I mean, yeah, let's not pretend that there's any heroes here. Let's not pretend that there's any good guys. There are no good guys. This is a bunch of rich people who make their money by leeching off of us money bags, trying to figure out how to split up the money that we pay to them to be entertained. And uh, yeah, there's no good guys here. There's no good guys here. So that's the first thing that I hope our (laughs) listeners understand. There's no good guys here. This is unsavory and gross, and let's hope they get it fixed as soon as they can. With okay. That but being it, said, I was gonna say you, you, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, but then I think about like the demands that the players are demanding, uh, which are things that we've talked about on the show, are things that we've seen as fans. Uh, you know, just uh, the manipulation of you know. Right now, Major League Baseball players get paid once they've uh, already achieved. Right. Usually they are getting paid in arrears for success that they've already had versus what their potential is. And 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 many and many good players who never get that chance. Yeah. Never get paid. Right. At the same level. Exactly. I mean, they're you know, they're they're making decent money, but not life altering money. Right. Uh, For the majority of players. And and I think, you know, right now it's like two thirds of all Major League Baseball players are under the age of 30. And and I mean, it's a rough estimate, but I think I read something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a significant number under the age of 30. So baseball owners, you know, the system, the way it is now works real well for them because they've got these younger players who are cheaper. Uh, and then, you know, and then and then obviously you've got this other group of players who have now had success and gone on to a second contract. Um, although now that I'm saying this, you know, the, the owners are the reasons why. That they're making these big contracts. No one's holding a gun to an owner's head saying, "Pay this, pay Scherzer a hundred million yeah. for three that years." Part, right? That part of the market has been a free market. Yeah, right? and so so the owners are their own worst enemy. Here they are, like you know, uh, I don't know. Just uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. Anyway, but but I to get back to my point about the players, I feel like there are some things that 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 probably need to change. You know, like like Chris Bryant, for example. Remember him when he first uh, came out on the scene? The Cubs held him back. Uh, a certain number of days uh, into the season because it would have affected his arbitration years 
and how much longer they would ha- they would get him in for an extra year if they held him back for the first month of the season. And so they did, and that was a big deal because everybody knew that Chris Bryant was ready to play from day from from the beginning of the season. And the, you know the Cubs didn't do anything wrong, right? It was within the the rules. But you see that happening over and over again. And I don't know if that's good for baseball. I feel like that's that's not a good look when you're keeping your best players in in the minors because of uh, because of money, because of a few million or a year right. or all that. And right. so those are the types of things where I feel like the players have a point. Well, they, they do. They do have a point for sure. For sure. And I, I think I'm not saying that the players don't have a point. I, I'm just saying that they shouldn't ruin the entire game to make it. That's okay. that's my argument. Yeah, but well, but I, I like let's 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 talk about what the players want. Okay. Yeah. Because I think they're the ones who are really driving this. Well, I, right, I think, because because you look at what the owners want. The owners just want more money, right? I mean, that's right. I mean, that's their only argument, right? More right. Money. And but but they want more money, but they're not asking for salary caps. They're not asking for all those things they used to ask for in the past, because they've learned. You know, we don't need that. What we want is more revenue. So we have all these things, but we need you to agree to do them. So we're, in order to do these things, we're going to give you some of the things that you want. So the owners are ready to play ball, but let's talk about what the players want because I think it really does boil down to two things. And look, this is always all about the same thing. Both of these sides want more money. That's yeah. what they want. Right. Um, they want more of your money, listener. And for the players, what they want is they want more of that money earlier in their career. Right? Right. So and and so so there's a couple of things that right like you, you have to remember is that a, a player is under a team's control for a certain number of years before he can uh, before he becomes a free agent and can sign with any other team, right? And and during that period of time where he's not actually under contract, but is not able to become a free agent, he's eligible for something called arbitration, which means he makes a proposal as to how much he's worth. And then the team makes a proposal about how much they think he's worth. And then they go to some third-party moderator or arbitrator who decides which one of them is right. And then the, the winner, that's what the size of the contract is, right? So it's this really weird negotiating thing where the teams uh, allow somebody else to kind of decide whose determination of the player's value is more correct. And... What that doesn't mean is is that it's not really a free market, right? The player's not putting himself out on the market in front of all 30 teams and saying, hey, whoever wants to pay me the highest, I will go to, right? He's not really letting the market set his price. He's just sort of guessing and letting one other person decide who's right. And and that that really depresses salaries overall, right? I mean, if that means that players are salaries are being diminished for the earlier parts of their careers. And for many of them, that's the most productive part of their careers. So they're contributing the most that they will ever contribute, but they're getting paid the least. Right. And so players want that practice to be eliminated or curtailed or reduced in some way. Um, they, they also want to become free agents earlier. Um, they also, as you were talking about, want to eliminate those debut date shenanigans that teams do. I, I don't know how you fix that because service time is service time, right? Service I, uh, time is service time. And it doesn't really matter when you do the date. Like, you know, teams are always going to have a date that they can decide to flip on. Right. And so I don't know how you fix that problem, but 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I do think that hurts baseball. I think holding players who are ready to play at the major league level back just so that you can get one more season out of them at the back end of that uh, free agency eligibility window. um, Yeah, that's not good for baseball. Ironically, the Cubs moved there. Uh, What that netted them was two Giants draft picks or uh, prospects. Right. So that's that's what they got out of keeping uh, him back uh, for another year was they got two of the Giants' middling prospects. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and I mean, well, I mean, then that's why teams do that, all right? That's not to say that's 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 better than nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And the other thing the players want to do is they want to eliminate the compensation pick <clears throat> that you get when a free agent gets signed. Um, or for those who are given know, the qualifying offer, right? Or those who are given the qualifying <clears throat> offer, right? Because that lowers the value of a player, right? Like, Brandon Belt is going to have a harder time getting more than his qualifying offer because other teams know that not only do they have to pay Brandon Belt more than that offer, they also have to give the Giants their draft pick, their first round draft pick in the next draft. And so that is a a disincentive to teams that goes beyond the money. So the players want to get rid of that, right? Yeah. The other thing that they want to do is they want to make sure that there's a larger pool of money available for the players. And so they want teams to stop doing what the Astros did in the first half of the last decade, which is tank so that they can go rebuild their team. Right. This is a field, a quadruple A team just to, you know, right. And we've seen that this is a really effective way of rebuilding your team, right? A, A number of teams have now pulled this off recently. And, and so tanking really helps rebuild your team because you get higher draft picks because you are a lower quality team and you can also do a lot of things like buy low and sell high because you don't really care about trading away your players midseason because you're not going to win anyway and so it allows you to do all of these things with to build up your farm system so three or four years later you become a juggernaut all of the all of the houston astros cheating notwithstanding and they, so what that does, though, is it depresses the market, right? The Astros are not going to be heavily involved in the free agent market when they're in the middle of a tank year, right? Or a tank, tanking phase. Like, they're not going to go out and spend a ton of money on the market. They're not going to be part, they're not going to be out there bidding because it's, it's, it's counterintuitive to what they're trying to do. They'd rather be spending that money on their minor leagues anyway. So, so the players want that practice to be stopped. Um, and then the players, of course, want to reduce revenue sharing because that would make more money available uh, to, to free agencies rather than, you know, some sort of welfare system between, you know, so the Pittsburgh Pirates don't get New York Yankees money. Um, and, and I guess other things is that they, they want more high value positions, right? So hence the universal DH. So, so that's what the players want, right? They want all of those things and more, but it really all comes down to they want more money earlier in their career. And I don't disagree with that in principle. Absolutely, Matthew. I think you're absolutely correct. I, I, I think players get paid too late in their career. They're often getting paid for good seasons that they had previously. Ironically, they're usually doing that for a different team. Right. Right? So a different team is paying them for success that they had uh, earlier in their career, right? I think, you know, that, and that's how you end up with co- contracts like Johnny Cueto and, and Samarja and, and others, right? So, so yeah, that's what the players want. What do the owners want? 
they want more money and ways they want- ways to get it right okay. and 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 I think the biggest one that we've heard is expanded playoffs. Yes, that's uh, like the thing, right? Right. Which you know, I mean, that's that's television revenue. That's uh, you know, there's more interest in in and you know, just in general mm-hmm. around playoffs. So and you know, the more playoff teams, the more interest you have in pennant races theoretically. So there's a lot of reasons to want more. Uh, I think there's a fine line between wanting more expanded playoffs and then having too many teams in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I mean, if half of of the of of the of the leagues are making the playoffs, then you know you, you've got a problem. Uh, I think, anyway, specifically specifically when some of those teams might be right at five hundred, right. um, right. or, or even sub five hundred. I mean, you get that in the NFL occasionally, but I, uh, yeah, I just feel like I'm I'm okay with expanded playoffs. Uh, I. I if that means that the players can can you know win on some of their things, I think that's a fair trade off. Uh, you know, the, it seems like also the the one thing that the owners have offered up, but I've not I've never really heard that the uh, the players really wanted is this universal DH. It seems like I mean the media keeps speculating that that's a foregone conclusion that there's not that there's going to be no DH next year or there'll be a universal DH rather next year. But I don't know. I haven't heard much talk about that. I, and, and I mean, I imagine it. I mean, it is a, uh, a bargaining chip. And at some point, I imagine it will get played. Uh, but, you know, I mean, who wins on that? I mean, I guess the players win because they get an extra position. And so is that a, is that an owner concession to offer? No, they, they get a they get a player who they get a player who otherwise would be out of baseball makes makes nine to 10 to 20 million dollars a year. Yeah, that's what they get. I mean that's what the players get. So they get a higher overall salaries. Yeah. Right? There's more money being spent on players. And then that money that's being spent on that DH um is added to the pool, right? It's not like it's taken away from other players, right? It may be a little bit because, you know, maybe you're not as excited about that hitting catcher as you once were, but but the point is is that yeah, it's another high value position that only exists in half of the half of the sport right now. And so that's why they want it because it just adds more money. It adds another thing that you can spend money on to make your team better without taking anything away. So inherently it would add more money to the pool. That's why DH is, 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 is good for the players. Um, the, you know, I, I mean, when I really look at this more closely, what I see is the players asking for a lot of things that really just seems like I don't understand why the own why they can't just get this deal done. Like I really right. don't. Because if the owners do want more playoffs and they want more revenue and they want find find more ways to make money to bring more money into the game and they need the players agreements to do that, then it's pretty clear they're going to have to give up some of these other things that they have in order to do that. Right? And the fact that the owners aren't asking for things like a salary cap, and they even offered something that I had never heard before in any other sport. They offered the exact opposite of a salary cap, which is a salary floor. Mm -hmm. They said that every team in the league has to spend at least $100 million. This is one of the things that they've offered the players. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Because I, I guess that what I read was that the players weren't that excited about. How could you but, not be? There are three teams. I just looked it up. I just saw the 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 Orioles, the Pirates, and the Rays. I think last year were like at fifty five million. 
Right, right. I mean, and come so the, on. I mean, so the, how much? Well, so I, I do have a question for you about that. But anyway, the, my, my point here is, is that, like, the, I don't see why this deal isn't done already. Seriously. Like, this, this just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if these are the things that you guys are arguing about, get it done. This is stupid. Yeah, I got a question I mean, for it. it. Yes, go ahead. Well, just, when do the fans get to strike? When do we get to, like, you know, <laughs> to have our demands heard? Because, you know, well, robot umps, Ben. <laughs> that's what I want. Uh, well, you know, we do, we do get our chance. We have our chance every day. Oh, don't right? tell me it's when I buy a ticket on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. No, that is it. That is how it works. <laughs> and you know what? We we did exercise that. We exercised that in 1995. Yeah. You know, we let them know very, very clearly how pissed off we were about this sort of stuff. And I and I worry that it's been so long that nobody remembers, right, that the fans will walk away from you. We will, right? There are enough things out there to entertain us that you should not think for a second that you have some sort of right to 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 have millions and millions of billions of dollars thrown at you because you play this particular game. Right? There are plenty of sports out there and plenty of other ways for people to be entertained that they don't need baseball. Right? right? And so you should not assume that the fans will just be there waiting for you on the other side because they weren't in 1995 after that awful, awful experience. So just be very, very careful. So we do get a chance. And the thing is, people will walk away. Fans will walk away if you provide a substandard product or you provide no product at all. And... You better keep that in mind. So we have the opportunity to, to strike whenever we want. Also, you and I are fans and we're complaining about this, you know, and a few people are going to hear about it and they're going to talk to their friends about it. And so, yeah, here we are. Starting a revolution. We're, I'm on strike. I'm not buying any more tickets for the rest of December. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm taking it into January and February even. I'm not yeah, buying any tickets. Yeah, well, I'm not going to go that far, but good for you. <laughs> Robot umps. Matthew. Yeah. But you know what? I do think there are some things I do want, Matthew. You know what I want? What do you want? I want better officiating. That's right. Robots. I want less histrionics between pitches. Histrionics. I got to look that word up. But okay. I, yes. I don't A batter doing all of these stretches and fixing his <laughs> wristbands and, you know, it's stealing in the box. <laughs> I want less people looking at index cards with confused looks on their faces, okay? You either got to memorize that stuff or no card at all. I want less announcers, <clears throat> Joe Buck, passing judgment on bat flips. Bat flips are cool. We want more bat flips. More I bat flips. No more old men complaining, complaining about bat flips. That's right, Joe Buck. I want more elaborate post-home run team celebrations. Like, like, like they I do want, in Korea, like, you know, or whatever, where well, they're, like, dancing like, and doing... One of the teams out there has a shopping cart. I think that's 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 interesting, but seems a little low rent. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Shop. Yeah, seems so, like, yes. May, maybe one of those, like, electric Lamborghinis, a little kid's drive, mm -hmm. maybe, or something? I think everybody should wear the San Diego Padres medallion, even if they're not San Diego Padres. <laughs> that wear, thing's cool. I'm wearing one right now, so... That's some serious <laughs> swag, and I want to see every team do that. <laughs> Uh, I want less shifts. Oh, no more too. shifts. No more shifts. 
I want uh, more stolen a, a bases. A line drive to, to right center field should be a hit. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I want more stolen bases. Ooh, that would be fun. Ricky, let's bring back Ricky. I want Ricky to sweat bullets <laughs> in this lifetime. That's right. I want more triples. That's the most exciting play in baseball. I want more of them. So, you know, I want to see less guys pulling hammies turning second. And I want to see guys who can stretch out a double into a triple. And most importantly, Matthew, I want more baseball. No lockouts, no strikes. Cut it out. Get this crap figured out already. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to go play Minecraft and just forget about you guys. Can we start a podcast about Minecraft? Is there? Is that? Is there's that... probably there's probably like 17 already. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. Minecraft but we'd be the cocktails. oldest. We'd be the, yeah. We'd, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Coming this late winter. Minecraft Maybe cocktails. Next summer. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, fans. Listen. To that. Hey. That's true. <laughs> Minecraft cocktails, <laughs> folks. If there's no baseball, if these morons can't get it figured out, if these morons can't figure out who gets more of our money, wait for it. Minecraft cocktails will be there even if the players and owners aren't. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we're running up on time. We've gone. This is a long one. But, yeah, we had a lot to say, a lot to talk about. Oh, you missed us anyway. Yes, that's right. Everybody missed us. Uh, you the, needed a the good downloads 80 are minutes come of flooding us. flooding back. You know. That's right. Shout out to all of you who have been downloading episodes while we've been doing nothing. Like, thank you for that. Uh, don't, Indeed. Don't don't forget to follow us on Twitter at uh, Giant Cocktails. You know, we're we're still out there. Uh, Instagram at Giant Cocktails as well. Uh, you can you can even you know bug Ben at, at Watch Ben Fail on both Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, I check and, those accounts at least once a week. Yeah, once a week. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And uh, so, you know, shout out to him. You know, drop into his DMs, whatever, you know. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Dude, nobody, nobody follows us. It's not like I don't even know happen. what that. I don't even know what that means, but I know that it's bad news for yeah, a married well, man. Yeah, oh, that's all I know. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't mean it that way, but you're probably right. Yeah, I know it's... It's kind of like that Netflix and chill thing, right? It doesn't really mean what you think it means. So yeah, right. I still don't know what that means either. But yeah, I know it's <laughs> like I know it's it's a euphemism. It is. It is a euphemism. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, it was good chatting with you, listeners. Uh, we'll probably take another break until after the holidays. So happy holidays to all of you, uh, whichever holidays you celebrate. And uh, we will be back probably shortly after the new year. We'll do a little, you know, kind of an update, and and maybe we'll have some news. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, but we'll we'll come back in probably early January and check in, and and uh, we'll go from there. So, good chatting with you, Ben. And uh, until next time, listeners. Uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everyone. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs>